Hallelujah. There's that thumb of authority. Well, I want to talk with you this morning for a few minutes, and we're not going to keep you. We have this big um, Christmas dinner celebration, so I've kind of made a covenant with my wife that, that um, and those are the ones you keep, um, that I would be saying amen, hallelujah, at noon, so we'd have enough time to get to our food and get to our event at 1 o'clock. But this morning, I want to preach a little bit about your most important relationship. Your most important relationship. Now, I'm going to share two verses with you out of the book of Acts. And the first is Acts 10.38. And it says, You know that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And I remember when I first read that verse, I thought it a little unusual that it said, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power, because I thought, well, Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit. Um, it was, an, as the scriptures tell us, he was Emmanuel, God with us. And so... The man, Jesus Christ, was conceived in his mother's womb by an act of the Holy Spirit. So his spirit was the Holy Spirit. That was where the oxygen that normally travels in the blood, in the cells of the blood, that carried that oxygen, carried that DNA, that holy breath was breathed into the womb of Mary. That egg was fertilized and it produced the eternal Son of God, all God, all man. But then, at the beginning of his ministry, he shows up at the, the River Jordan where John's baptizing. When he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit is seen descending on him. And the Bible says, how God anointed, which means to put upon, to cover, to, to place a mantle upon. God put upon Jesus what already lived within Jesus. And so I want to talk to you about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because though we have Him, there's more that He can do for you if you'll develop your relationship with Him. He's got some things to put on you. Though He already lives within you. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with, everyone say it, power. Hallelujah. And as a result, he went about doing good, doing good, for God was with him. And then Jesus dies on the cross, and he's risen from the dead, the Bible says, through the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And so the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead, and he spends a few days with the disciples before he ascends finally up into heaven. And he's already told them, when I go, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And I must go, because if I don't go, and I remain here with you, resurrected but bodily with you, the Holy Ghost cannot come upon you like he came upon me and how we want him to come upon you. And so he's talking with the disciples just before he ascends up uh, into heaven. And he says in Acts 1.8, But you, they had asked him about him. 
They said, well, are you going to be king of Israel now? Are you going to restore the, the government of God and, and be king? And he explains to them his answer, and then, he, and then he advances the conversation. He says, now let's talk about you for a minute. So I want to talk about you and I for a minute this morning. Because Jesus said, you, your part, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will then be my witnesses. What does it say? Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and went about doing good, healing all who were. So he's basically saying, I'm transferring me to you. I'm transferring my ministry to your ministry. And the only way I can do that is to transfer my spirit to you. And not that you receive him simply by being born again. For I was born in my mother's womb by the Spirit. But then when it came time for me to step into ministry, the Holy Spirit in me did something. And I was put upon, mantled, covered, equipped with the power of the Spirit to do ministry. He said, so you likewise will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Hallelujah. Well, it says that the anointing, the power, the baptism in the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And nobody's going to say that Jesus didn't have the Holy Spirit before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not receiving the Holy Spirit. It is an operation of the Holy Spirit that brings your level up. Everyone say level up. Level up. It brings up the level of God in your life. And Jesus had told them in John chapter 8, this is going to happen out of your, you will be filled with the Spirit until it is flowing out of your innermost being. So I know that we, we sort of visualize in our mind the Holy Spirit coming upon us and we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But perhaps we should think that the Holy Spirit's rising up from within us and overflowing. And we are receiving a greater function a greater level of the Holy Spirit. However you want to visualize it or think about it, I have to tell you today that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is what produced the power to reveal Jesus to the world. Amen. Jesus was good before he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Praise the Lord. He didn't get converted at the River Jordan. He was born good. All of that power, all of that, that anointing, all that potential was in him. That goodness was in him. The Holy Spirit was in him. But it, nobody knew who he was. Even his mother wasn't totally sure. You know, she pondered these things, the Bible says, in her heart. And Jesus grew up in Nazareth. And they knew him there. Because he goes back into Nazareth after being baptized in the Holy Spirit. He goes into the synagogue, the church where he had grown up. He reads a little scripture out of Isaiah that says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to heal the sick, to relieve the captives, hallelujah, to bring those in captivity to liberty. And he puts the thing down, scroll down, and he sits down, and everybody goes slack-jawed. They all know him, but they, 
they see something they never saw before. And the demons start acting up. And the demons start crying out of people. From that moment on, when he's baptized in the Holy Spirit, he can't go anywhere around demon-possessed people because the devil starts speaking through the people saying, I know who you are. You are the Christ of God. You are the Messiah. And he'd say, be quiet, hold your peace, come out of him. So it was the baptism in the Holy Spirit that revealed Jesus to the world. Are you listening to me? And so Jesus says to his disciples, he says to you and I, he said, don't go anywhere preaching, trying to do the work I've called you to do. Don't do anything until you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit because I want you to reveal me to the world. And you can't do it unless you are filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me this morning? Hallelujah. So the, it was the baptism in the Holy Spirit that provided the power to reveal Jesus to the world. Even the devils recognized who he was. There are many people that are oppressed of the devil. They would be mortified if they knew that demons actually oppress them. There are people that live in big mansions and have a lot of money and have high-paying jobs and have sharp, brilliantly tuned minds, and they have devils. They don't even know it. There are spirits hanging off of them, just hitching a ride on them through life. They don't even know it. If those people were to get into the presence where the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit was moving, they'd be, all of a sudden feel the discomfort of those spirits. All of a sudden, some of the bondages that have them bound would start cracking, and the, those, those grips would start loosening. When Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, would walk into a village, the oppressed begin to be magnetized and drawn to him, or the devils begin to back up. Because the baptism in the spirit has an impact in the spirit realm. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. So I'd like to review a few things that I shared with you last week. First of all, the failure of the church to resist the influence of deception and evil over our land today is evidence of a weakened church that has replaced the baptism in the Holy Spirit with ministry building strategies and social relevance. And, you know, <clears throat> churches are up to date today with technology. Uh, they're up to date with social relevance. Uh, they have uh, worked hard at purging out of them all the traits that the world finds offensive. We keep restyling our ministries, restyling our churches by studying what people want. Amen. And I noticed after pastoring uh, a good solid 10 years in the mid-80s when the church growth ministries begin and, and uh, um, researchers begin to become prominent because everybody wanted to know how to make their churches bigger, how to be more successful in their ministry. But, you know, I'm not saying that that comes from always necessarily a bad motive, but, but that the misdirection that eventually sent the church uh, into a neutral state began back then with that whole church growth movement. 
And um, so people began to study what do the demographics show us? What do people want? What do people want? But listen, a ministry strategy that says have it your way isn't going to lead to an empowered congregation. You're just not going. You could barely get disciples. Once you've discipled them to have it their way, they're not going to want the way of the cross. Whoppers and spicy chicken don't bring the anointing. I'm sorry. It, it just doesn't. You cannot feed people, get them saved, and feed them on have it your way and expect to see the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is only here for one way, and that's Jesus. Jesus' way. I send the power of the Spirit for you to be a witness unto me. Hallelujah. I got saved because of Jesus. I didn't get saved because of me. I don't know if anybody heard me just now, but I got saved because of Jesus. I didn't get saved because of me. I didn't see that I needed, my life needed a refinement. I didn't see that I needed a, a, a religious embellishment. I got saved because I saw, oh my God, God is real. Jesus is Lord, and my life fell. I mean, I collapsed. God, you're real. And, and I just found that field that had the great treasure in it, and I, was, I bought it. I bought the field. I bought the kingdom. It was Jesus. That's the reason I got saved. And then I just couldn't shut up about him. I just ran around telling everybody, laying hands on everything. Spicy chicken and whoppers do not bring the anointing. God is not going to come. And I think a lot of churches have gotten to the point where they're, they're at peace with the Lord not coming. Listen to me. They're at peace with God staying on the sign out front. They're at peace with God staying in the literature pamphlets that talk about their doctrines and what we believe. They're at peace with a very controlled God, a very uh, subdued God, a very watered down, a palatable God, a God that we can dose out. Come on, everybody. A God we can dose out to people. Are you listening? But when the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost, there was no dose about Him. The Bible says that He hit that place like the power of a freight train, a loud, rushing, mighty way. He disturbed the meeting. He broke it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They got filled and couldn't stop until they were overflowing. And at 9 o'clock in the morning, they were staggering around in the upper room speaking in other tongues, languages they didn't know. They didn't know what was happening to them. They just knew God had taken hold. The Spirit of God had come upon them, and power was flowing out. And Peter staggered out to the balcony because all the people in the street were saying, Hey, it's not a happy hour. What are you all doing up there? What's going on? And they could hear all these different languages and many people from other foreign countries were hearing God being praised in the language of their own country. The disciples had no idea they were speaking Greek or speaking whatever it is they were speaking. And Peter stood up and he, he calmed everybody down. Took a few minutes and he told them about Jesus. But listen, I've studied that sermon, the first sermon uh, Peter 
preach this wonderful sermon. And a lot of preachers, a lot of pastors try to get the New Testament results by studying Pete Preter's sermon. They think it was his sermon. And yes, we do preach the Word of God. That was significant. But let me tell you, that same crowd that was standing there listening to Peter preach only weeks before had the very Jesus himself standing there talking to him, and they said, crucify him away with him. So it was not Peter's sermon that all of a sudden made them say, all right, we want to get right with God. It was something else. It was the power that was filling Peter and all those people up in the upper room and overflowing and pouring out into the streets. They were feeling it. The overflow of the baptism in the Holy Ghost flowed out into the street. Hallelujah. And they were getting that overdose. Can you say amen? amen. That's why the story of the early Christians is called the book of Acts. Not the book of ads. Today, lots of study. I mean expensive study. I, I would be ashamed to tell you what some of my pastor friends have told me. They pay for studies. Demographic studies. I mean, there are organizations, Christian organizations, that provide for a nice, handsome fee, demographic breakdowns and studies to help you find out what people in your neighborhood want. But it's not the book of ads. It's the book of Acts. Hallelujah. You may not know what that little sermon you're going to preach to somebody is, but you better get out there and go anyway. You'll figure it out when you're standing in front of them. Hallelujah. The one thing you want to be sure of is I'm full of the Holy Ghost. What you want to do is you want to get up in church and you want to begin to praise God. When the preacher stands up and says, come on, everybody, let's praise the Lord. You be the first one to knock someone out of the way to get to your feet. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Be the church woman they talk about on Facebook. I dare you. Be the church mother they laugh about, make fun of. You couldn't get a better compliment than have, them, than have carnal Christians run you down on Facebook. Amen. What have you done to get carnal Christians to laugh about you and talk about you on Facebook because you haven't done anything until you get the carnal Christians talking about you. Woo! Glory to God. I tell you, I feel hot this morning. Glory. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. It's not ads, it's acts. It's a, I'll tell you, I'll take one church woman on fire for God. Full of the Holy Ghost doesn't care. And I'll tolerate the foolishness. I'll put up with it because you turn her loose around unsafe people. Most of them are going to laugh and make fun and snicker, but I'll tell you, she'll start peeling people off of that crowd. They will feel the power of God. They'll feel the presence of God, and uh, they'll start coming around saying, what do you have? What's gotten into you? Hallelujah. John's, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples before he, before he went to Calvary's cross, but I tell you the truth. Everyone say, the truth. the truth. So this is the truth. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I'm going away. For if I do not go, the helper. What is the Holy Spirit? He's the helper. 
Hallelujah. The helper will not come to you if I don't go away. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will reprove the world and prove the world wrong. Now, who wants a ministry like that? Isn't that the ministry you wish you had? Proving the world that they're wrong. Exegesis is wonderful and apologetics is nice to have. But listen, only the Holy Ghost can really convince a wrong world that it's wrong. Amen. Period. You can, you can paralyze people with the arguments so that the wind goes out of their sails. But a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. The only one that can break the will is the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The only one that can bring a surrender to a, to a person hiding behind the high walls of a, of a fearful or a proud or an arrogant spirit to protect their hearts and their weakness is the Holy Ghost, full of the agape of God. God's the only one who can tear down that wall and make you feel love at the same time. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I'm sending the helper to you. And when he comes, he's going to prove the world wrong on the subject of sin, on the subject of righteousness. We've heard so much talk today about righteousness and right and wrong. Our nation's piled up on two sides. It's almost like the gray and the blue. It's almost like it was before the days of the Civil War. I mean, there is literal hate in our nation today. Citizens, one for another, because of people's different ideas of what's righteous and what is wrong. But the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, the Holy Ghost, when He comes, He will prove the world wrong on the subject of sin, on the subject of righteousness, and on the subject of judgment. The most effective tool we can have in this very moment in which we find ourselves is the filling of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, despite churches being everywhere in our country, you just look at our schools and our entertainment industry, and they reveal the, that moral convictions in America have never been this low. I think the moral convictions, by and large, of our country are about as low as they have ever been. I would say that we have entered the age of belligerence. That's what Paul spoke about in 2 Timothy 4. He said people will become belligerent and they will not want to hear the truth. The gatekeepers of the world have managed to outlaw any challenge to their pet sins. Anyone who disagrees with the sins du jour, the popular sins of the day, they are immediately branded as hateful and ignorant. And the reason I'm saying this from the pulpit is I'm not trying to rile anybody up. It's not meant to do that because a riled up church isn't going to produce anything. But I'm saying it because in the context of understanding how desperately dark this hour is, the point becomes brilliantly clear that only the power of the Holy Spirit can break this demonic wall and administer the gospel in an environment of hostility. Amen. Because belligerence rules 
The souls of our children have been made belligerent by their teachers from the middle school to the grad school on our university campuses. The spirit of belligerence is in total control of what people learn. But the Holy Ghost laughs at the spirit of belligerence. Laughs because the harder they get, the easier it is for them to break when the power of the anointing starts moving. Just remember Saul of Tarsus. Hallelujah. So I want to sum this up and say to you this morning that there is really no more, uh, there is nothing more crucial to your life right now than your relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's the most important relationship on earth. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Think about what Paul wrote in Galatians 4.6 when he said, and because you are children of God, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. What is more important than having the Spirit of Jesus inside you interceding like he used to in those hills through the nights of that uh, arduous ministry as he prayed in the garden, when he would go off and seek the Father, when he would pray at the tomb of Lazarus and say, Father, I thank you, you always hear me. Now, Lazarus, it's time to come out of there. Hallelujah. The same Spirit that was praying in him is now in you, crying, Abba, Father. Let it cry. Let him cry. Listen to me. Let him cry. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? God has sent the Spirit of his Son into your heart saying, Dad, Dad, the world needs the power of the Holy Spirit. Dad, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Stop choking that cry. Stop starving that cry. Stop ignoring that cry. Stop pushing it aside and crafting your own prayers. Let he who ever lives to intercede for you, let him have a crack at your prayer life. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I told you I was feeling it this morning. Hallelujah. I feel like something electrical got a hold of me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But uh, listen, that spirit, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John 14, when he, not it, he, the spirit of truth has come, he will lead and guide you into all the truth. When he, the spirit, not it, the spirit. Why did he refer to the Holy Spirit as a he? Well, because the scripture says, and again in John 14, Jesus said, when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, when he comes, he will reveal to you all things and he will remind you of everything that I've said. Why? Because he's talking to you right now in me. He is the Spirit that has the record of, of everything that I've said, everything the Father says. The Spirit in Jesus came upon you on the day of Pentecost. Why is the Holy Spirit baptism released in the name of Jesus? 
Because the Lord wants you to know that when you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you are relating with Jesus. He doesn't want you to think that you are relating with some cosmic power source that is separate from Jesus, not a different Jesus. That's why he says, Abba, Father. Because Jesus is talking. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he said, he's not going to come and talk about himself because he doesn't have a separate self to talk about. There's only one self that the Holy Spirit talks about, and it's the self of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The most important relationship you will ever have is your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to say one other thing, and then we're going to pray. Where are the gifts? Come on. I know you know about them. I know you know about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every one of us to profit everybody. But where are they? The psalmist said in Psalm 74 and verse 9, We see not our signs. Our signs have disappeared. We don't even see any prophets. Where are they gone? The book of Acts was the restoration of the signs. The signs that God is with us. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The signs that God is with us are not Christians walking around with big Bibles under their arm or stickers on their bumpers. That doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. But the whole reason for Pentecost, the whole reason for the Holy Ghost was so the world would know that the strong, immovable, omnipotent God is among His people. And that they are what He's doing. And what He's doing in them, He could do in you. He could do for you. Somebody say, praise the Lord. So where are the gifts? Yeah, some... A couple of people said, well, they're in us. They're in us. I'd like to see them. Can we see some next week? Can we hear some? You can't even get people to praise God. What's it going to do? What are we going to do to get word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, gifts of healings, working of miracles, gift of faith? The problem is you've kicked that can down the road. And you know that you've got to have a much stronger relationship with the Holy Spirit if you want to see those things happen. You see, the manifestation of the Spirit happens as a result of the overflow. It's not a different spirit. It's not a different work of grace. The early Pentecostals said, oh, it's a second work of grace. Some of them said, it's a third work of grace. I don't care whether it's the fifth work of grace. I frankly could care less. All I know is that until I get topped off and overflowing, nothing happens. Amen. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Do you know... You get bogged down in the theology of it, you're going to miss the substance of the thing. We need to be a people of the Holy Ghost power today. So yes, everyone who said it's in us, you're absolutely right. That was the correct theological response. But now, I pray to be able to send you out of this church today with the spirit of disturbance. I've prayed God disturb them, yes. bother them, 
Make them bothered by what they hear this morning. Help them to go into their prayer closet and say, how come I'm not healing the sick? Now, don't get rhetorical with me. You know that you don't heal the sick. I don't. But the Bible says, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Such as I have, I give to you. Listen, if you don't know you have it, you're not going to have any authority to give it. After the man was healed, and the people crowded around Peter, and John said, these men have healed, and they ripped their clothes, and they said, we're just people just like you. We haven't done anything. Be it known to you that through the name of Jesus this man stands whole before. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will begin to cry out to God. I want to see the manifestation of the Holy Ghost in my life because I'm telling you, it is not going to happen unless you are flowing and overflowing. And I'll just close with this thought. Right back with what I said in the beginning, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you... Jesus turned all, people want to know the latest book. When's Jesus coming back? Uh, those, uh, you know, four blood moons. Look, I don't care if Saturn's rings fall off. The sign that really matters is a church full of the Holy Ghost and fire and power. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? But everyone wants to know, when are you going to set up the kingdom? When, when's this going to happen? But church, I've come today to tell you, Jesus turned the whole issue around and says, only one thing you need to be concerned with. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be a witness for me in all the world. The more domestic Christians get, the less power they have. A little something, just, you just open that up later and think about it. But the more full of the Holy Ghost we get, the more outreach. You know what? The more full of the Holy Ghost we get, the less power has a grip on sinners in our presence. Amen. You walk in the power of the Spirit, the bondages that hold sinners in your presence will begin to loosen up. The tremors of the power of God flowing in your life will begin to pry away the grip of demonic oppressions in people's lives because you are full of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost needs a headquarters to operate through. People think, well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has been poured out. He's in the earth. No, he's not. He's in you. He's only where people have received Jesus Christ, and he's living in them. That's where he is, and he needs, if he's going to operate, to operate through you. I want you to stand with me this morning.